Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club, now 30 weeks undefeated. Can't say that very often. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by a man who will be revelling in this um, incredible run of form for the men in maroon, Mark Donaldson. Joyous. It, it really is. By the way, are, are we one of like 400 Hearts podcasts now? What, what's, what's going on? Um, I was listening to another one this morning, which, which was very good. And that's why I need you to change your opening every week. Welcome back to, it's suggesting that people have listened before. You need to tweak that for all our newbies. Yeah. Sorry, go. if you meant to tune into Perth to Paisley, uh, you can <laughs> hang up and or stop listening now if you meant to tune into We Have No Cares. Um, yeah, there won't be many lines of the European song left for podcast titles <laughs> by the time this yeah. year is up. I listened to We Have No Cares this morning thinking it was a New Hearts podcast and, and Nickel Hay and, and, and Rob Borther were like, yeah, welcome, welcome back. It's been a while. And I was like, it's been a while. And I asked you and you're like, yeah, they haven't done one for four years. I'm like, what, what's going on? Have we started something like a renaissance? Because they've obviously been going longer than we have. And I just think it's good that there's as many Hearts podcasts out there yeah almost as long between um episodes as uh, craig gordon uh, spent between <laughs> competitive hearts appearances which we will get to on this week's episode of scarves around the funnel but uh, before we get stuck into the uh, content for this week we do have a guest with us uh, a journalist that is best known for covering leeds united but one that actually holds Maroon allegiances, although Leeds United have a bit of Maroon this season as well. Um, we're joined by Phil Hay. Thank you for coming on, Phil. Thank you for having me, gentlemen. I've got to say, Laurie, in, in all this time, you're the first person who's used the undefeated in 200-odd <laughs> days line, which is an absolute cracker. It'll go around the world very quickly. <laughs> We've spent almost 60% of 2020 without a competitive defeat. So that's... Um, it's not bad going. Uh, welcome to the show. And um, I was mentioning before we, we came on air, I uh, was aware of who you were before from Twitter, from following uh, your coverage of Leeds United. It's a team that I have uh, a certain fondness for. I hadn't actually realised before that you were a Hearts fan and many others will probably be, probably be in the same boat as me. So um, tell us... Tell us about yourself. Uh, where are you from? How did you end up down in Leeds covering them? Well, I'm, I'm not far off a clone um, of Donaldson, to be honest. Um, oh, great. Pennycook native, uh, <laughs> primary school pupil, um, Pennycook High School pupil, um, mutual games of football between us at the Old Folks uh, on St James's View in Pennycook, which somebody's built on, actually. Two houses <laughs> there now, which is a is a bit of a travesty. Animal. But, yeah, no, I, um, I grew up in Pennycook. I was there for 17 years um, before I came down to university in, in Sheffield. And like most people who end up going away from home... Um, Never, never went, uh, went, never went back up, and have stayed down here ever since. But yeah, jumble from the age of about five or six um, through what good years and bad years, um, but plenty of good years in between. And um, Mr. Donaldson, who's been uh, over the over the pond for a decade now, still sounds just the same as he did before. That's uh, that's an interesting accent you've got on there. It's like those Dutch players. <laughs> the Dutch players used to come over to Rangers and would. You couldn't quite pinpoint. Steve McLaren. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Steve McLaren, Joey Barton as well. But yeah, that's it's an interesting one you've picked up there. 
It's the usual thing, though, isn't it? When you're down here, people tell you they can't really understand what you're saying. <laughs> and, and then when you go home, people say that you've got leads and all sorts creeping in. Um, I've got a wife who's from Newcastle and kids who've got pretty generic English accents these days. So I've, I've not got much chance, really, to, to keep it as broad. But I, I still think it's kind of there lingering underneath. But it's 20 years down south for me now, so it's going to kick in eventually. Before before he comes home, Donaldson will be talking in proper Yankee, I promise you. Oh, he's, well, he's a full-blown <laughs> full uh, citizen now. He, I thought it was part of the agreement. <laughs> have you got have you a residency of you? How, how did you pull that off? Took me a while, son. Green green card after ooh, two and a half years, and then five that's years with a green card. And you yeah, that's you in. Just Good just man. as well now. Um, dual citizenship, got the passport and everything. But we we got our passports and our citizenship like two months before him um, shut everything down. So goodness knows when that's opening again. So I'll I'll, I'll check. I'm one of the few who has a signed letter from him saying welcome to our country. Um, because he's not signing them anymore. Because he's not doing it anymore. So I, I, I I'm Frame yeah. It. Well, yeah, and darts at it. Yeah. Anyway, and, and um, the, so, the lure, lure of Pennycook not drawing you back. Well, the food lodge in Pennycook was the only thing. Um, well, that's still my favourite Chinese restaurant. There's probably 99% of people that um, don't really know Pennycook that well. But I have to say, and this will surprise you, Dan Sire, because we're clearly going with surnames um, today. Um, <laughs> Phil was in my sister's year at school, but that's 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 nothing. This is a better one. Um, I used to play the cello, and Phil's mother used to teach me. What, she was why am I not kid. surprised? Why am I so not surprised? Play the cello. Yeah. <laughs> why not? She'll have some. She'll have some pictures somewhere, probably of the old orchestra days. I'll get her to fish uh, some out. I've got <laughs> some as well. She was a great <laughs> teacher. We played with the Dalkeith Symphony Orchestra. Hey, this is quality stuff, Dancer. I know this is a Hearts podcast, and we'll get there. We've just got to kind of, we've got to set the set the grounds, uh, ground rules first, lay some foundations. But I'm a, I'm a, I'm a musician. Phil, uh, we um we had Craig Fowler, who I don't know if you've seen, he he writes for the Scotsman. He's also on the yes. Terrace uh, show, and I think we were talking about kind of drunken away trips and on the train, and suddenly Mark's middle class heart supporting. <laughs> 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 the middle class heart support him came out with a train. I've never been on a train to the football. No. Um, no. So it's it's a little bit of a, a running joke sometimes. Just marks just has that middle class supported about him sometimes. I've got my fair share, fair share on trains, but I, the, sure there is not have. a chance. There's not a chance that I've got the same number of games under my belt as Mark. Um, but yeah, trains to Aberdeen and, and so on. It's uh, over the years. But, but think about it here. I, I've been trying to justify the fact that because we lived in Pennycook, this isn't 1950 odds where you used to be able to get a train from wherever. This is like you, you can't get public transport now from Pennycook unless you get the old 87 bus or whatever it's now, the 37 or the, I don't know. The never even had a swimming pool, did it? Never mind, never mind a train station. Exactly. So it's not that far kind of beyond the realms of possibility that someone from Pennycook does has never got the train to a game. It wasn't easy. <laughs> it's, Come on. It's just it's just funny. I just like I just like when you get defensive. It entertains me. Um, okay, so <laughs> before we before we reminisce too much, I'll just throw a quick agenda out there because we like to at least pretend that we have some sort of organisation about us some weeks. Um, we will talk about a Hearts competitive match for the first time in almost seven months. Uh, that's the Cali Thistle Betfred Cup game that took place. 
last night at the time of recording. Um, we're going to talk about some of the latest news as the transfer window shut. We will then obviously move on to the homework or the feature that we spoke about last week, which is the Room 101 uh, your football and hearts, pet hates and gripes that you would want to be consigned to oblivion or get or stuck in the bin, as we talked about as well. And then we'll look ahead to the next game, which is also a competitive one against Cowden Beef coming up this weekend. OK, first up, so hearts were back in action this week uh, against Inverness Cali Thistle in the Betfred Cup. And uh, before we talk about the game, let's... Have a quick listen back to how that game panned out. Whipped in, cleared by Sean Welsh at the near post again. Just not enough elevation on that ball from Walker. He has it back though, cutting in from the left. 30 yards from goal, goes for the shot. Half clear by Cali. <coughs> Ridgers comes out, it's not a convincing punch. Ginelli the right foot shot, blocked penalty. by Cali player. Penalty. It's off his hand and it is a penalty kick. He's a wee bit unlucky. I'm not too sure as much he can do about it. But it's Cameron Harper, it was... A bit of a flap there by Mark Ridgers after Walker's shot was blocked. The ball spinning in the air. He punched out, out only as far as Ginelli who cracked it towards goal. And it's off the hand of Harper. And we're going to see a replay of it again. It's, it's, it's quite harsh, it has to be said. His hands are in front of him. But I think the way he moves them is maybe what decides it in the end. Jamie Walker will have a chance to open his account for the season from 12 yards against his former teammate Mark Ridgers. Walker steps up, low to the bottom right, and Hearts are up and running for the new season. 61 and a half minutes played. Jamie Walker from the penalty spot rolled it to the right. Mark Ridgers went the other way. And Jamie Walker's first of the season, his 44th for the Jambos in his 205th appearance. And in this Betford Cup Group A match, the men in Maroon are up and running. Heart of Midlothian 1, Inverness Caledonian Thistle 0. Okay, so let's have a look at the starting lineup. Um, Mark, we, I guess we kind of expected that Robbie would go with a 4 2 3 1 from what we've seen in, in recent friendly matches. Was, were any shocks in there for you in the starting 11, or was it pretty much what you expected given who was available and, and obviously given the fact that Michael Smith and, and Liam Boyce were away on international duty? Yeah, it's not too dissimilar from from what I um, what I expected. I think those complaining about Ad White, he's not the answer. We get that, but you're not going to play Kingsley from the start when you've been working on shape. And uh, I was speaking to, to to Craig Gordon just to send him some old photos of his debut that he put on his his Instagram. And he's saying he, he they found out the team on on Monday morning. Um, they worked on the shape, um, and by that stage Kingsley wasn't even uh, signed. He, he signed just a few hours beforehand. So Kingsley is the number one left back going forward so for anybody kind of moaning about ady white that's fair it wasn't ideal um he'll not be the number one going forward uh it's going to be kingsley and and for the rest of them yeah i suppose just the, the jamie walker situation what position did he play last night oh you're just jumping ahead about five items on the agenda you always like to, yeah, to do that you asked me about the team okay well the team was uh, we'll get on to walker um, the Gordon and goals in a 4-2-3-1, Brandon Wright, White left, Halkett Popescu in the centre, Lee and Irving in the uh, deeper roles of the pivot, uh, Ginelli right, Walker left, Naismith in the 10 role, and up front, Craig Whiten. Uh, just going on to you, Phil, very quickly, because we spoke about A.D. White, and he's certainly someone who has not impressed in his time at Hearts, to be fair. 
obviously there's a link there with Leeds United because I remember when he came through at Leeds United and he was a very bright prospect at that time, wasn't he? He made a list in the Guardian when he was about 17 of um, players in the Premier League and EFL um, football league as it was back then who who they they kind of anticipated or predicted might play for England in future. I I watched him break through. I saw him in his first reserve game against Huddersfield at Ellen Road and he was ridiculously good. He was 16 at the time and he played in League One under Gary McAllister. Um, He was quick, he was strong, he was quite creative. But he's I I did a piece with him uh, about four or five months ago and he's he's been injured for such a long time he got to the point when he was at Barnsley where he he, he was just about to throw the towel in mm-hmm. when the last of four um, operations in a row I think finally worked for him and, and he was able to get himself to the point of playing but to look at him at hearts it's it's not gone completely he's still got that issue and um you know hasn't been fit for for quite a, quite a lot of the period when he's he's been up there I, I agree with Mark I think Kingsley will, will be first choice left back. The only thing with AD is that he did get um, me two tickets for the, the Scottish Cup final 18 months ago. So, <laughs> so I won't hear a bad word said against him. Okay. Don't need to say anything else. Uh, so Craig Gordon will, will start at the back. Um, and a stat that London Hearts sent both you and uh, myself, Mark, via Twitter before the game. Uh, 4,888 days since his previous competitive game for Hearts, which was a way to kill Marnik in 2007, uh, which smashed the previous record for length of time between competitive appearances, previously held by Eamon Bannon. Uh, 3,493 days between January 79 and August 88. The game started brightly, Mark. Um, chances at both ends, although it slowed down very quickly after that, but Craig Gordon's save, uh, and it's been talked about quite a bit. Mm. I, I, I think Wonder Save is pushing it. With it. I saw a few headlines for that, but that's a big difference for us, isn't it? He's the kind of keeper who will pull those saves off. Not Wonder Save, but a, a very good save. Would that a ball have been in the back of the net twelve months ago? Probably. Isn't it good <laughs> just to to enjoy a game of football, knowing if a shot comes in, you're not on the edge of your seat shitting yourself that a goalkeeper, whether it's a Joel Pereira. <laughs> whether it's a Bobby Zlamal, whether it's a whatever the other guy was called, I can't even remember, and he's now gone. It's just nice to know that, you know what? We've got a decent goalkeeper in there. There was one, he came out in the second half. Yeah, I'm, the I'm giving kick. that more as yeah. a, it was a really, really good delivery, and it would have caught most goalkeepers out because it had whip on it. Um, but it's just, it's so refreshing. Um, Taste out the feet in that yeah. position. And, and that's um, the thing, but it gives the defenders confidence as well. And I mentioned earlier about how I'd sent on photos from his debut um, against Livingston, which nice to see everyone else used the fact it was 18 years to the day uh, or to the date that, that he um, that he made his first debut and then his second debut. So 11.05 p.m. He's probably just got home and I've got a message from him saying, you got any pictures of tonight to save after four minutes? He's, he's so anal about little things as well because he wanted to post that on, on, on Instagram and, and everything. He was very proud of that. Um, and I said to him, uh, was it weird playing without fans or whatever? He says, I would have loved to have made that save in front of the fans. He said, however, it was just a good save and I was delighted to make it. Um, and it, it's just nice. It's the first time we found a, a replacement for Craig Gordon since Craig Gordon left. That's basically true. I mean, I, I don't want to be unfair to him, but Pereira last season, mm. I mean, it's, if I'm being fair, his distribution was actually all right. You know, it was, it well, was a good midfielder. <laughs> 
when it came to the the rest of his skill set, it, none of it seemed to be there at all. And I still am totally bemused as to why um, Stendhal in particular persisted with him for as long as he did. But I think watching that last night, like Matt was saying, you 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 were just suddenly at the point of thinking, right, well, the keeper's fine. You know, you don't need to worry about him. It's not that there won't be mistakes here and there, but it's no longer that kind of bomb scare territory that, that it was previously, and that's got to help. Yeah, it's it's the basics, which I think, and Craig himself, he was on the podcast um, a month or two back, and he talked about that. You know, the basics of goalkeeping are the main thing, you know, keeping the ball out of the net, making saves, being commanding, coming out and catching the ball. And I think I remember Bobby's Lamal's debut, which... Um, which I was at up in um, Aberdeen away to Cove Rangers, I can remember John Souter just screaming at him to, to basically shut the F up at one point. And, <laughs> but it kind of summed up his, his time hearts. And it, I actually thought Bobby Zlamal was a better shot stopper than Colin Doyle, for instance. But I personally preferred Colin Doyle in there purely because I felt the defence weren't on edge constantly, that he wasn't going to do something absolutely ridiculous, run off his line for something he was never going to get to or or miss the ball completely. And it's like what you say, Phil, the defence are then always slightly ill at ease. They're maybe looking over their shoulder all the time because they're not quite sure what the keeper is going to do behind them. So I think it does have that calming effect on everyone around them. And um, yeah, long may it continue. Elsewhere in the team, you know, the game itself, we're not going to, which you'll probably find out, Phil, we don't tend to deeply analyse it play by play. Um, no, that seems fair enough. Yeah. And it got very sloppy. There wasn't really much fluency from either side after what looked like it would be a, a bright opening. Um, and you mentioned it, Mark, so we'll get on to it. Walker Naismith, it's, it's one thing that I sort of grimaced at when I looked at the team. I was like, why have we shifted Walker to the left to play Naismith as the 10? Walker's looked really bright pre-season. From what I've seen, um, and I've I've only seen one match in its entirety, but I've seen highlights and clips of others, Walker playing in that 10 role has looked our best player. And he was superb in that first half against Park Thistle in the game I attended. So why are we taking our brightest player out of the position Mm. he's best at? And then, to be honest, Naismith in that 10, it just doesn't look effective. I would no. be inclined to have Walker in the 10 and put Naismith up front if, if we don't have, for instance, Boyce yeah. available. It just seems strange. It, just, it didn't work, and it wasn't until we shifted things around that Walker really started to come into the game more. Well, let, let's break this down a little bit more with regards to that. On the right-hand side, you basically had Brandon in behind Ginelli. Yeah. Uh, because Ginelli kind of he's, he stayed wide. Jamie came inside. Because he's used to that position. It's hard. When you're used to a certain position, he's come inside. And, and for all the criticism that Eddie White got, he's basically having to play two mm-hmm. positions. No, that is fair. We've seen that before. Yeah, we've seen that before with, with Hearts players under various coaches over the last few years. Sometimes he, he, he wants, like Callum Patterson, he'd have him mm-hmm. playing two positions because he could. And he'd go a bit narrower. Um, that side, and and he'd go wide on on the other side. So I'm looking at that, and I'm I'm wondering. I don't think you need two. You call them pivots, defensive midfielders, whatever you want to call them. Don't think you need two in there right now. now no. Over here, there's a phrase: Monday morning quarterback. Everyone's an expert after the event. Okay. This is one game. It's it's basically a preseason. We need to be ready for the Dundee game. Robbie wanted us ready for last night. Obviously, there's a few changes that need to be made because there were players missing. I just wonder, if we're going two wingers, I think Janelli was excellent last yeah. night. So he's yeah. on the right-hand side. Do we have um, Roberts on the left-hand side? Do we play 4-1-4-1? Because I agree with you with regards to Naismith. Whiten 
that that could be Robbie's blind spot. Now, I know that we're pally with Robbie, I'm pally with, with, with Robbie, and it will be difficult at times when, when we have to criticise. I'm not criticising him right now because these are the games whereby you have to try and, and do things. So with regards to Craig Whiten, he was on loan at Arbroath last season. That's probably his level. Yes, he's still playing in the championship, but there's only so long you're going to give him. And if he doesn't score against Wraith or Cowdenbeath or, or East Fife, then, then, look, it's an experiment that hasn't worked. I'd rather the experiment was made now. I agree with you with regards to Naismith. I'd have Walker far more central. I'd have Ginelli on one side. I'd have Roberts on the other side. I'd have either Irving or Haring or, or whatever as the holding player. And I'd have one other player alongside um, Jamie Walker because central is by far his better position. Halliday, there you go. So you could have, you could have <laughs> Halliday... Um, as, as either a defensive player alongside Irving or alongside Jamie Walker. That would work. So if you go with Craig Gordon in goal, when everyone's fit, right, and everyone's available, Michael Smith, Craig Halkett, Popescu and Kingsley, then the one holder, Andy Irving, if that's where you want to play him, or you could play Andy Halliday. Then you've got Janelli on one side, Roberts on the other, Walker in there, and the other guy who's not playing the defensive midfielder, whether it's Peter Haring, uh, who's defensive, the other guy forward, and, and Naismith, uh, sorry, and Boyle in attack. So here's one for you. Is is Stephen Naismith undroppable? He, he shouldn't be. Um, no. I mean, a few things from last night, really. The, the job that Eddie White was asked to do, quite often at, at Leeds, when Bielsa plays three at the back, he'll play two right-sided players, so essentially Luke Ayling and, and a winger in front of him. At the moment, it would be held Costa. But he does ask, and what is a, a really strange system, but a system that, that works as it tends to do for Bielsa, he asked Jack Harrison to occupy the whole of the left side. So effectively, to be a proper wing-back, but more than that, to be a full-back and a, a winger, as opposed to just kind of floating between the two. And it's a really difficult position to play in, and Harrison does it incredibly well. I think if, you, if you've got two tens in the team, which they did last night with Walker and Naismith, although I'm not convinced that Naismith is a 10 um, at all, then you're never going to have any width on that side, and, and it was a problem. I mean, I, I watched Naismith quite closely, and I found, I, I found this, he was in a kind of, seemed to be in a bit of a free role and I found some of his positioning odd. I felt that too often he was too deep or he was too wide and he wasn't in an area where he was going to do an awful lot of damage. And I think when you've got waiting in front of him as your out-and-out centre-forward, somebody who doesn't look like he's going to score goals, you, you don't carry an awful lot of a threat. Um, I'm, I'm with Mark, really. I'm, I'm not sure that, that Naismith is necessarily... Well, I wouldn't say he's worth a guaranteed place at the moment at all. I didn't think he played particularly well last night, but I did think that the combination of him and Walker was a strange one that was probably never going to work. Yeah, it's a good point. And one that I saw some people making as well was the fact that Stephen Naismith was good enough to play a number nine role internationally just a year ago. Um, would it not be more obvious if, I guess, who our first choice striker is going to be Liam Boyce isn't available that you then put someone who can can play that role at, you know, at Scotland level which maybe isn't much these days but um, if we're talking about championship level you'd hope it's a step up so yeah it's maybe one that Robbie still needs to to tinker with uh, Ollie Lee was another one I want to touch on because I felt Naismith was ineffective where he was and Mark so I mentioned it as well in terms of the two holding midfielders being a waste in in a game like yesterday and in, in the, the kind of the match we were playing, I felt Ollie Lee ended up being a bit 
pointless, really, in his role in that deep role. I, I don't think he can affect a game enough from a deep role. Um, and he doesn't have the same control over a game that the likes of Haring does, and or and doesn't have the range of passing of like an Andy Irving. So, what do you think of Ollie Lee, Phil, in terms of his role in that team? Does he have a part to play still in that team? I mean, it sounds like Robbie feels he does. I just don't know if it's in that position. To me, like he falls into the the squad player category. I think I I would play Haring um, ahead of him. I mean, I, I like Irving a lot actually. I think there's a, a lot to like about. His yeah. game, he, he looks good on the ball. He, he looks good at spotting a pass. And I think Matt was talking earlier about trying to, you know, a four-one-four-one. I think in in that kind of setup, you could have Haring as your holding mid, mm-hmm. and you could play Irving a, a little bit further up the pitch. Where I I think he could do damage around the box, you know, picking passes and and looking for runners. Um, I'd certainly be playing those two ahead of Lee. I, I think when push comes to shove and when he gets going, I think Halliday would probably move ahead of him as well. I, I'm never I'm never convinced by Lee really. I'm never never certain about what it is that, that he brings to the team and, and what positive difference he makes. I don't think he's a poor player. I don't think he's a poor midfielder. I think he he does he does have enough about him to play in that holding position. But I, I suspect as the season goes on and if everybody is in is in top form, then he probably slips down the order a little bit. Yeah. And I guess the big positive was Ginelli. I think it's something that Hearts have lacked seriously for for some time now, which is width. And um, in a game with not too much to shout about, he was definitely the the shining light. Uh, Mark, I think that's something that Hearts fans will really buy into, and it's something that they have in the past. And it wasn't always um, necessarily pretty what he was doing, but because he was so direct, he was getting these little breaks. And it reminded me of a lot of... Hearts players in the past who we've liked, Valois and, and Juanjo, who wouldn't always wouldn't always turn it on. It necessarily, it wasn't always deliberate, but because they ran at defenders, because they took them on, they'd get the breaks and they'd have shots at goal and they'd get early crosses in. Um, this could be a big season for him because he's 23 now and he'll look to prove himself that he can go back down to the championship and do a job there. Indeed. Now, he's a player who's he's been all over um, England. He's only... Um, played in the championship for a couple of seasons. He's never started a game in the championship. His kind of main form was in League One. Um, now, you find me a consistent winger and I'll find you a liar because they don't exist. You're looking for as much consistency as possible. What I liked about him, and we saw this last night because obviously we're commentating Laurie and Phil and I watched on uh, on TV. When he beats his man, it's not a kind of put it to the byline and get the cross in. When he takes that touch by the defender, he then gets in quickly. I haven't seen that with that many wingers. And it it doesn't give the defender enough time to react. Um, He's going to be a better player for Hearts when he's got a natural striker, like a Liam Boyce, Mm -hmm. making those near post runs and putting flicks in. He could get double-digit assists for Hearts this season. It's funny you mentioning um, mentioning Wanjo, because um, obviously your, your opinion of what constitutes a, a good football or, or not depends on the football you watch and the level that you, you club play at and you know the best of Wanjo I used to, to really like it at the same time as accepting that there were days you were going to turn up and he might as well not be on the pitch but my uh, my uni mates used to rub me about him used to say he's got white boots and he's absolute shite and I used to I used to have to fight the poor lad's corner constantly but um Ginelli I, yeah I, I think Mark's right about him he, he seems 
he's not only quick and he's not only a wide player, but he, he actually understands what a wide player is supposed to do. And I could see him having having bundles of assists in him if that last night is anything like what we're, we're going to get over the course of the season. And I've got to say as well, it would be nice to see the club land upon a decent signing that wasn't obvious. You know, I, I mean, Craig Gordon was a, a gimme, really. I think any Hearts manager would have taken that one. But some of the recruitment over the past couple of years has been absolutely grim. Um, and it would be nice to think that they've picked out a, a little bit of a gem here. One moment of the game that we will talk about, because it was the big moment of the game, uh, the penalty which uh, we heard just a few minutes ago, which of course led to the only goal. During commentary, um, Jimmy felt it was too harsh. I was along the lines of, I can see why people would think it's harsh, but I can also see the reason for it being given. First up, Mark, with the penalty, because I know you're the resident um, referee uh, rule stickler. Penalty, resident no pe- penalty. Yes. Penalty, no penalty. Uh, if if Callie get that, Callie Thistle get that, because I know you and Murray's a parent when it comes to... Give them their full name. They're either Inverness Calgary and Thistle or Callie Thistle. Don't just call them Callie. If Callie Thistle had been given that against her, she'd be spewing. So let's take the glasses off. It's 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 soft. And I saw a kind of debate earlier on Twitter between Craig Fowler, who's written a piece in The Scotsman, and, and Stephen Kagan. And I can see where they're, they're both coming from. By the letter of the law, with the new interpretation as mm-hmm. it stands, should that have been given? That falls into the grey area of body shape. Yeah. Was that a natural body shape? If his arm wasn't there, would it have gone on to hit the body? Um, or was the arm preventing that from going goalwards? You can argue both ways. Did the yeah. referee guess? I think there was an element of guesswork in there. Was it a penalty for me? No. No. Probably not. Um, but as Robbie said, if it hits your hand, and, and as... as um, as Daryl Broadfoot said on, on Sports Sound a few weeks ago, as Craig Fowler pointed out in his article, uh, 90% now of, of handballs are going to be given as a penalty. This isn't the, this isn't a, a referee from last night issue. This isn't an interpretation issue for us, because it's a totally grey area. This is an IFAB fuck-up, basically, because they keep tweaking something yeah. to try and get something right that they've tweaked too much. That's what it is. So, was it a penalty? Probably not. Um but I can understand why it's been given because the referee will say, well, I didn't think that that was a natural silhouette that the player had. I thought it was not necessarily this the position as the ball was hit, was just about to hit him or hitting him. It was the fact he moved and it <laughs> you could say it's natural because he kind of shifted his body as the ball hit him. And because he shifted his body, it looked like he moved his arm and it, the motion went with the ball, if that makes sense. And I thought that movement, it's, although it's slight, I thought that's what possibly swayed the referee. Well, I think the right answer is nobody knows, do they? Nobody knows. I mean, it's it's, it's, it's very grey. Yeah. This, this is um, this is raging down south to the point where about a week or so ago, um, your Premier League referees were instructed to start being more lenient again with handballs because it had got to the point where even handballs that look like the most accidental and, and unavoidable were being punished on the basis of, like Mark said, silhouettes or unnatural positions. But even then you have the the argument about what constitutes an unnatural position when you're jumping or when you're running or or whatever else. And it has reached the point where nobody nobody's really certain and nobody really understands. Um my gut feeling last night was 
I know why it was given, but I, I think it was harsh. But these days, and particularly this season, um, we're starting to lose all concept of what, what is harsh and what is actually um, the letter of the law. And you're right about IFAB. I mean, that is the basic problem, that it's kind of opaque organisation changing this and deciding what they're going to apply. But like I think like Bielsa said, you know, if, if it was possible to have rules that kind of human beings could understand, it would be absolutely great. <laughs> Indeed. Well, I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon. Probably so, not. So, Hearts, one goal for the game, and I'm going to take. I'm going to do a, a Mark Donaldson style tangent here because I don't know where oh. else. I don't know where else I'm going to throw this in. Um, and Mark and I spoke about this um, a few days back. So, Hearts goal. Out goes the tweet, and the usual reactions happen. Now, I see you a lot on Twitter covering Leeds games, and you have a. <laughs> I wonder where you were going with this. Yeah, well, we we'd spoken about it, and I was like, if I don't get it in there early, I'll just forget about it, and I won't mention it. So, it's it's a bit of a reach that I've got to this from here. But anyway, obviously, you cover Leeds games, and you post lots of G O A, lots of O's and A's and L's. Goal, obviously, when Leeds score, and um, which is what people do, and you get lots of reactions to them, Phil. Now, I don't know if you know where I'm going with this. Um, I suspect I do. Um, yeah, keep going. So. <laughs> Mark pointed this out to me because I'd not been aware of it. So he's like, why don't you look at the reactions to Phil's goal updates when Leeds score? So I was like, okay, I will. So I looked at the the last game you covered, which was Leeds against Man City. Leeds obviously levelled in that game. So here's your goal tweet. Lots of retweets, lots of likes. And I went through some of the replies. Um, let's see what we've got. Rail me, Phil, from Will LUFC. Um... Regan then says, shag me, Philly. Um, Cameron Stevens just says, bum me. Um, oh, LUFC Hutchie actually goes, jizz on my back, Philip. <laughs> and I, I won't go through all of these. But here's, here's another one. M-O-T, MO Tweets says, shag me with your massive penis, Phil. So, yes. uh, and Mark Ex- tells explain. me this is a, a recurring theme. So, Explain. Yeah, this has been um, this has been going on for I reckon two or three years. Although uh, that is only the point at which I um, at which I first noticed it. I mean, Twitter is just bonkers and mental and you know, all all part of the fun. But yeah, they're, they're a rowdy bunch down here. I'll tell you that. It's just and you're leaving it there. That, that, that's it. There's people offering oh, you their wives after lead score. I know, I know. Suffice to say, I've never taken them up on the offer. You know what it's like at full time. You've got to file match reports and everything else. Otherwise, <laughs> so it's just there's a tangent. There was a tangent, but there's no explanation. That's just just Leeds fans for oh, you, absolutely. is it? No, it's just the, it's just the thrill of the goal. But um, if any, I would I would suggest that people take a look, not for my tweets, but for what comes after them. It's um, it's good fun. Yeah, <laughs> I had great fun scrolling for about five minutes through those. Through those three actions, um, I don't. Um, one, there's, sorry, Laurie. There's one guy. I'm look. I'm still going through the list of, of responses to the the Leeds goal against Man City. There's a guy, guy called Liam Blakely, okay, and he's he's copied your 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 goal tweet, but he's added R O D R I just before the G. That could work. Rodrigo. 
That's quite clever. Is it, do you know, it's amazing the effort people go to. Somebody sent me a tweet the other day where they'd screenshotted the goal tweet and they'd replaced all the O's with a picture of my head. Um, so was, I, mean, I was thinking, that must have taken, that must have taken forever. Um, I mean, if you, you hunt around um, hard enough, you'll find pictures of me as giant haystacks um, and <laughs> as Moses in the Red Sea and all sorts of weird and wonderful stuff. It's, um, it's quite an adventure. You and I are quite similar, aren't we, Phil? We both look great on radio. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. I've, I've got a voice for written media as well. <laughs> I'm currently looking at your uh, head on a, a, a very peckish, peckish a, a pectoral body with, with a, a very nice lady sitting, waiting on a bed. Um, <laughs> but your face is on it, and it just makes me a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, I was going to say, bit. yeah. Yeah, you see, I, I never really get the time to go back through these and look properly, but and I haven't done for ages, but I should maybe start again. You're enlightening me here, because most of it just kind of passes me by in the in the thick of the game. But yeah, next next weekend, Wolves at home, I'll, I'll be sure to keep a proper eye on this. Right. Sag me, you sexy bastard, says Tom Broxup. Uh, yeah, uh, let's move on. They all say Right, before we get on to um, our homework question for the week, uh, just quickly go through some of the latest news at the end of the transfer window for Hearts. I don't want to go through all the transfers because we've spoken about them in previous podcasts, um, but one deal that caught a few people by surprise is a transfer out, and that is Anthony McDonald joining Spanish third-tier side Cordoba, which, Mark, um, completely caught me from left field. <laughs> Me too. At first I thought it was Andy Irving. I'm like, wait a minute, the Portobello Pirlo's just scored a stunner. <laughs> but it's not him. And um, I thought, okay, if he's going to Spain, maybe it's a loan. But no, it's like a two-year deal. And I don't know if there's a, a buyback or anything like that, but that was um, that was one of those, oh, didn't see that coming. But was that move done so that Kingsley could come in? Because Kingsley could have been signed after the deadline anyway because he was a free agent Possibly. in training with Falkirk. But the, the suggestion was that they needed to get one out to get one in. So maybe he's the one out to get Kingsley in. A bit disappointed, really, um, about McDonald. He, he looked great a few years back and just seems to have drifted, although I'm, I'm too far away to know whether that's his fault or whether he's been um, poorly coached, poorly managed, whether he hasn't been used right. I, I really don't know. Um, but, yeah, like Mark says, he... You, I, when I saw that announced, I was assuming that it would be a loan. And actually, the, the does all of a sudden, after years of British players just kind of sticking around in the UK, there does seem to be a bit more of an appetite for getting out into on the continent and, and elsewhere in Europe to play. And you saw it with Hickey going to, to Bologna as well. But I was surprised that it was it was permanent. And I, I, I must be honest, I, I'm not really sure what's going to be out there for him. I, I hope it's a, a good deal financially. But in terms of football, I don't know whether he's going to come back vastly improved or whether this is kind of the, the last we're going to hear of him yeah he was a very bright prospect and he came in and he actually played over 20 times for hearts and he, he is still only 19 by all accounts um he did pretty well at inverness but uh, yeah it, it's an odd one i can't say i've seen enough of him recently to to say whether he'd kind of stalled or it was just a case that you know craig levine then Stendhal and then Nielsen just didn't fancy him. But obviously wish him the best and it's an interesting move, certainly, and hopefully it works out for him. Uh, we've mentioned Stephen Kingsley, so um, one-year deal for him, 
uh, free agent after he left Hull, which is why, of course, we mentioned he was able to sign after the window shut. Uh, still only 26, actually, which um, sometimes forget. Spent the last six years in England, won Scotland cap, uh, over 100 appearances with Falkirk when he was north of the border. Played 17 times in the Premier League for Swansea City and the last three years with Championship Hull City. You've probably seen a bit of him, I'd imagine, recently, um, Phil. What, what do you make of the signing? On paper, for me, it's a very good deal. And when I heard it, he was linked, I was quite pleased because it's a problem area for us. And I think he's a, a talented player. But I'm going by reports, I have to say, in the last few years. I've not seen a lot of him. Yeah, I think he's he's gifted and, and he's steady. And I think that in the Championship in England should transfer really easily to the, the Championship up in Scotland. It, it's also dealt with a bit of a, well, you know, hopefully dealt with a bit of a problem position in the team, which is what they've done with Gordon as well. It seems to me like they've, they've kind of you know tackled quite well two of the areas that were so problematic last season. And I don't think it, it turns them into a great side overnight, but I think a little bit like Gordon behind him, you could play Kingsley all season there and be quite content and probably not have to worry um, about that area at all. Whereas at the moment, um, and, and as it is, with with White or whoever else they're, they're trying out there, it, it just doesn't seem like they've got another solution. So I, I thought that was a good sign. I thought that was probably one of the best of the window, to be honest. Number nine is left open at the moment. A lot of fans hoping that Robbie would be looking at someone to fill that shirt number, which is why it was left open. He did um, maybe disappoint a few by revealing that Liam Boyce could have taken nine, but he wanted ten. Uh, so the number nine shirt might get filled um, in January, but suggested that at the moment he's not looking to bring anyone else in. One thing with that, it doesn't always end the story. If we start the season and a player maybe has a really poor start to the campaign, or if we get you know a few weeks down the line and the agent of someone who is without a club and available to sign gets in touch and says, look, this player wouldn't have been in your budget a month ago, but he's still looking. We can get him to you for this amount of money. Are you interested? And that opportunity gives us the next Arno June type of signing, which was, I think it was end of September, which in that time was well into the season. Do you think we might see someone else creep in there, Mark? Or or do you think that will be it till January? No, unless there's an injury. Um, There's a chance Rangers might end up with Jack Wilshire. He's got a payoff, so he's he's a, a free agent, and there are a few out there. I was surprised Kingsley was available. Mm-hmm. I remember him making his, his Scotland debut. I think it was against France, and he came on as a sub. And the good thing about him, Laurie and Phil, he can play left centre back as well. So if we're really struggling, we could put him in there as a, a left centre back. So it ticks two boxes there. Okay. Do you think, um, do, do you think another striker is really necessary? I mean, I. I I kind of look at this in two ways. Firstly, the the strength of the squad, which, to be honest, I think is just about there anyway. And I would be, you know, in a normal season, given who else is in the league, I'd be really disappointed if if Hearts this Hearts squad won't win in the league at something of a of a canter. But also, I think they've probably got to be a little bit wary of the possibility that the league is going to shut down again, and they need to be careful about how much money they they spend on this season and invest in this season because it sounds like it's still a bit of a mess up there. Um, certainly once you get out of the, the Premiership, I, I don't get the feeling, and this is only my observation from afar, but it doesn't seem like the SPFL are, are kind of 
trying to guard and protect the, the bottom three leagues in the way that they are the top divisions. So I, I, I'd almost prefer to see them be a little bit sensible with cash and not push it too far. I think between Boyce and um, Naismith up top, they, they should, and surely Whiten can chip in with the odd goal here and there. Um, they, they, they should have enough. They should. I think many will maybe look ahead to a certain game against the side that is not in the championship. And um, unfortunately, <laughs> I say unfortunately, but many Hearts fans, that will be the that will be the decider for Robbie Nielsen. And it shouldn't necessarily be that way. And many of them will maybe never forget uh, a game against that team in that competition first time around. But um, I think everyone assumes that we will coast the championship if we are given the chance, as you, as you mentioned, to, to play the season out. But it's that semi-final, Mark, that many people are looking for. Uh, and that's, I guess, what a lot of people will judge Robbie Nielsen on. And Robbie doesn't have a problem with that. He said that to us. It's about Hibs. It's obviously about getting up. That's important. But he knows the importance of this Scottish Cup tie. And there will not be excuses if we lose. Um, it's easy to say, oh, they've started first, they've had all these games, we've not, we've only started competitively against Inverness. They're favourites for it, they're the top flight side. On paper, I like to do the kind of, how many of theirs and how many of ours would get in a best 11? It's pretty close, I think. Um, you, you have to watch the other team as much as you watch your own to, to make a kind of a compelling argument for and against. Um, but yeah, I th- it's a game that it comes. If it was the start of October, then I think we would have been screwed. It's very difficult when you don't play competitive games um, to get ready for one of that magnitude. And we'll be ready. We'll be ready. And as Phil's saying, um, quite rightly so, you've just got to be careful. This isn't about one game at the end of October. This isn't about bringing in a striker just in case. We'll have Boyce back by then. We've got to hope everyone stays fit. But th- this is about the, the whole season. And if we're left, who have we got? We've got Whiten. We have um, Boyce. We have Naismith. Um, we have others that can maybe play in a more advanced role. We're playing in the championship. Um, we need to get up from there. That's, that's what this is about. This isn't about spending two grand on a striker. That's 100 grand a year. That's 100 grand that Hearts can't really afford right now or haven't budgeted for. So I'm with Phil. Um, if someone comes along, as you said, an Arnold Zoom type, and it's a kind of, well, that's a no-brainer like Stephen Kingsley was, then fine. But I don't think that player exists and he shouldn't just be brought in to face Hibs because Boyce will be the front man there if he's fit. I do think it's a big advantage for Hibs. I don't think they're a particularly great side, but it will it will help them, the fact that they've been in full flow for, for a while now. Um, and you know, I know Hearts have I've got games coming up before them, but it's only a, it's only a handful. And I think, it, I, I've, put it this way, I've never quite forgiven that defeat to Hibs um, in the year when they won the cup, which I know is really petty and pathetic, <laughs> but um, that's just the just the way they are, uh, the way we are really. Um, I, I certainly wouldn't hold it against Nielsen if they were to lose this semi final. I mean, uh, it's not to say that I want it, and, and you hope that we'll do to Hibs what we what we normally do do to Hibs, but um, I, I think he's been dealt a fairly poor hand for this one. So last week was our 101st episode, episode 101, and um, to mark the occasion, we uh, put a homework question out there based on the old BBC series Room 101, which offered celebrities the chance to discuss their pet hates, and 
they had to persuade the host that these pet hates, these gripes, should be consigned to the oblivion of room 101. So we put it out there to find your hearts and football related pet hates that you'd want to be consigned to room 101 or things that you just want to get in the bin. And we've we've had a good response. So I'm going to try and go through a few of these and and get Mark and Phil's reaction to these. Um, Amaruso Let's It Run sent us a message. Um, it started by saying, uh, just avoid any legal issues with the BBC. Maybe just re- rename Room 101 Cowden Beath. I still remember Juanjo refusing to go out on loan to them. Um, so that, that's probably about as close to oblivion as you can get going to Central Park. Um, he says, anyway, apologies for Donaldson-esque tangent. My pet peeves are football fans who do not subscribe to give and take banter with opposing players. Hearts fans who say that another fan is not a true supporter due to differing ideological or political views. Uh, Sky Sports always using shortbread tin music for Scottish football when the English game gets the <laughs> likes of Kasabian and Simple Minds, etc. Clickbait online. Oh, yeah, skin inside, remember that? I remember that, yeah, I was just going to say. <laughs> that was a decent tune. I've been yeah. for a couple of years. <laughs> I get that though. Um, it used to even as much as I liked the BT coverage. What was the weird intro they had? It wasn't even a recognisable song. It was this twangy, irritating sound that came up before the Scottish football coverage. And they have a tendency to do that. Um, a lot of the channels with Scottish football and Sky always get that um, that stick as well. Because how many times do they get badges mixed up in Scottish football? How bad is that? I mean. I've had this chat with, with Luke Shanley, and, and Luke's as annoyed as anybody. The issue here, and I, I spent two years working freelance for them, and we used to phone in stories when we did Sky Sports News out of Glasgow, and we used to, we were always kind of, uh-oh, how's this going to end up? Dundee United of today, and you knew there'd be a photo of Dens Park or a badge. The issue that, that I have and that Luke has as well, and it's not really changed, is they have someone from London uh, in charge of, and it's a different person from when I was working there as well, but they haven't fully focused on just getting either a Scot or someone that's up here um, who knows Scottish football in charge of all the Scottish football output. Because I remember when, when I was there, if they have the rights for something, look what they've made of darts and various other sports. They'll go all in on it. And if they don't have the rights for it, it's just it's a non-entity, no matter how big a, a thing it is. So they have the rights exclusively, and exclusivity in Scottish football is basically for Rangers and Celtic away games and, and for the Glasgow Derby, as Celtic are now calling it, rather than the old firm derby. Pedantry? What pedantry? Um, so if they had someone that, that was just on top of this and nothing about Scottish football went out without the, the kind of ombudsman of Scottish football, whether he's in London or she's up in Glasgow or, or whatever, and they know about the game, because right now... Any t- Luke's one of the hardest working individuals I know, and he's got a whole team that work with him um, in Blythewood Square, and they just are so pissed off that someone, a lackey or whatever, that's in charge of putting graphics out in London, continually gets this wrong. That's not fair on the hard workers that actually do care about this up here. Rant over. He's gonna get. He's gonna get sacked after that, poor Luke. <laughs> <laughs> he's got my job, so hey. 
<laughs> let's 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 go. We've got an email uh, from Kelman Chambers, who first mentions, um, "I love that Laurie starts Markov sort of like a light the blue touch paper and retire," um, which I think is it is just in me. Um, I think I triggered you a few times last week with a few of your pet hates. Um, uh, Kelman says, "Anyway, pet hates." Descent to refs uh, slash not retreating 10 yards. I coach uh, and occasionally play rugby and behaviour like that is penalised. I also play football and constantly committed these offences. Um, if football brought in yellow cards, you start um, you start off having seven-a-side games, but they would soon learn, except the really thick ones, step forward Griffiths, Brown and a few others. Um, stealing yards at dead balls, petty and often, often pointless, but annoying. Uh, useless stewards in the ground. Uh, he says, if they don't know the way to something in the ground and don't want to step in if there's trouble, why are they there? Uh, St. Mirren and Hamilton, just because, do I need a reason? And says, no, finally... don't. <laughs> no, you don't, no. Especially for one of them. Uh, finally, a controversial one. Hearts fans that think we should never finish below 4th, 5th because we are a bigger a club than the rest, but expect us to challenge Celtic and Rangers. No sense of perspective and don't understand that sometimes the league doesn't finish in order of size. If it did, what's the point? And I'll hand it over to you, Phil. Do you think do you think Hearts fans are are sometimes unrealistic in their expectations? No, I mean I I, I don't ever really expect to challenge Celtic and Rangers credibly. Or certainly not now that Rangers have kind of climbed a, a, a bit further up the ladder, but I don't think it's unrealistic to expect to be top half in a division that once you get you know down into the mid table and below is so bang average. I mean that, that seems to me on Hearts budget and with Hearts crowd and, and everything else um, to be absolutely attainable um, in a way that being bottom of the league as they were for, for so much of last season seems completely unacceptable. No, I don't. I don't sense that at all. I think everybody likes the idea every season that you. You might have a go at a trophy without really expecting to win one, but I don't think anybody ever expects to, to top the old film or even to split them. Let's have a look at some of the tweets we got about this. Stevie Morris says, Those pesky foil containers for half-time pies. They burn your paws carrying them. Then you need a JCB to get the pie out. Worse still, you've got zero chance of getting the pie out in a one Get those foil containers in the sea. Um, in the sea? I mean, that's great for, for all the fish and all the, the environmental projects we've got going. Just chuck your metal pie container in the sea. Goodness. I don't find them that bad. I always seem to get them out. Is, is, maybe the ones in the press area are... Um, better it's when it's when the the crust of the pie got stuck to the metal container and it tasted a metal it it, honestly it's it's like when you when you use a fork if you've used it on metal like on on that stuff you put in your oven whatever it's called for people who bake it's a nightmare it tastes horrid you're right as well when the when the top comes off when it's in the metal container and you're just left with all this all this stodge in the middle total disaster total disaster (laughs) But you're speaking from an area of the world. You've got proper pie down in Yorkshire, right? Well, you see, this is the thing. We got promoted this uh, summer, uh, and so I was looking forward to your press rooms at 
Man City and Arsenal and Liverpool and Leicester where it goes off the scale and you go from you know like sandwiches and decent food to cheese boards and Sunday roasts and everything else but they're all shut at the moment um, and we're oh. getting bottles of water cry for me <laughs> cry for me that's a bit wanky isn't it that's what that's up Donaldson Street where <laughs> where's the lobster thermidor in this press room <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. You go to Liverpool, you get about eight choices of main course. That was that was all that was in it for us for promotion. What about Burnley? I mean, there can't be lobster thermidor at Burnley. Burnley always did solid lasagnas, chili con carne, that sort of stuff. You know, the, the kind of hearty Lancashire food. You, you well, lasagna, but you know their their version of it. Um, Lancashire lasagna. Yeah, <laughs> and everything else. Um, yeah, they were they were always pretty good with Burnley. There's a book in there somewhere, by the way, about there is. food. There is. But, you know, um, about 10 years ago, uh, my old sports editor wrote a um, rather critical article about the standard of the press food at, at Leeds, to which Ken Bates responded by withdrawing it completely and leaving us with tea and coffee in polystyrene cups and that was all. So you got to be a bit careful. Let's let's have a look at what else we've got. Flitch says, referees not booking opposition players especially Scott Brown, for acting like twats in front of the away end in the aftermath of a goal. Hearts fans who don't get behind the team and boo our players for not getting the ball up the park while screaming when the pass goes out. Um, I'm sure Scott Brown would probably be on a lot of Hearts fans' list for um, getting in the bin and um, (laughs) just getting rid of generally. This one came up um, a couple of times and it's something I've mentioned before, Graham Taylor says goalkeepers being protected more than most endangered species Um, uh, MJK mentioned that keepers getting far too much protection this is a big one for me and it happens in Scottish football, it happens in English football it happens across the globe Um, there was that incident and we were talking about not too long ago where Hearts played Wraith um, was it a season before last now I think and um, Hart scored and it got disallowed because the um, Wraith goalkeeper was impeded by his own defender. Uh, that's just one that I don't think is going to go away, is it, Phil? Keepers just get fouls just if something goes wrong for them. No, um, although you, you, you sort of don't know whether the, the whole um, penalty directive and the, the, this kind of obsession with more goals and everything else is going to change that. But no, I mean, like it, it's, it's harder and harder to get away with anything um, against goalkeepers and I kind of think that that's something that's only going to carry on going in the same direction as we as we go on uh, One that came up and went in two different directions uh, on two different sides of it Alan Scrim mentioned random squad numbers whatever happened to the old 1-11 to 11. seeing players wearing 77 really triggers me um, I mean <laughs> Nikolai Todorov or Inverness doing it last night um, but uh, on the contrast, we had someone, and I'm just going to quickly scroll down. Jim McDowell said, um, other old bastards, since I am one, wanting players to wear 1 to 11, like it makes the slightest bit of difference. So I have to say, I'm, I'm, I don't necessarily think players should wear 1 to 11, but stupid squad numbers do annoy me. Donny's Avdi wearing 99. <laughs> um, we had Mallory Martin wearing 88, and Obviously, you got the stupid ones when number two plays up front and number nine plays at centre back. Um, or is it just me that gets that gets really That's irritated? That's more of a gripe. I mean, yeah. we've spoken before about the Argentina World Cup squad in 1978 that was um, 
numerical order based on um, the alphabet of the, 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 the letters and the, the player's first name, uh, sorry, surname in the squad. So he had a goalkeeper wearing five, but like, I mean, Phil O'Noy's seen him down there, uh, the, the goalkeeper for Wolves, Ray Patricio wearing, wearing 11. Um, yes. My, my gr- that's one of my eight. I've got eight. I've come up with eight in a week. Of oh, my, you've got, uh, you've got eight more. Eight <laughs> ones. No, in, in, including this, including this. Squad numbers above 30 should be banned for new signings. That's number one of them. Fair? Yeah, yeah reasonable. You know, I mean, it's mostly academy players, isn't it? Once you get up to that uh, level, and I sort yeah, of think okay. when, once you get over number thirty, you might as well, it might as well take seventy as thirty-nine. You know, it kind of makes no difference, I don't think. Yeah. But yeah, new signings, yeah. decent new signings, pointless. Yeah, because if you're a good player, I think Kieran Tierney kept his his number. Aaron Hickey kept his number from when he was a youngster. If you progress with that, no problem whatsoever, because it's the squad number you had. That was it's your place in the pecking order, pretty much. If you the closer you can get to to 1 to 11, the better. So new signings uh, of, of decent repute um, are not allowed squad numbers over 30. That's that's the first rule. Am I right in thinking that in La Liga, senior players in the squad have to be given squad numbers 1 to 25, and it's only those who are brought in from the reserve stroke youth team that can be given squad numbers above that? Interesting. I don't know. Well, you'd be right about that, although I'm, I'm not 100% sure. I mean, there's certainly no, doesn't seem to be any restriction down in England at all. Ross McCormack um, has had 44 for mm-hmm. as long as I can remember. Had it at Leeds, um, had it at Fulham, I think has it now at Older Shot, of all places. I think he went um, at Motherwell as well, actually. Yeah, no, I think I think he did. He, he said once it was something to do with his gran, although I don't know what the what the full story was. But there doesn't seem to be any, any leash on it at all in the UK. You can pretty much, with you know, Within reason, I don't think you can go to three figures, but um, you know you can you can have what you like. Remember Hisham Zero Ali? Yes. Um, he wore a zero on the back of his jersey, and Radon wore zero, zero one, one because ten was no. taken. Oh God, I wasn't, I wasn't happy with that. I wasn't happy with that. Apparently, in Spain, um, A squad players um, must wear a number between one and twenty-five. Goalkeepers must wear either one thirteen or. Or 25. Yeah, that's when, right. Yeah. When players from the reserve team are selected to play for the first team, they're given squad numbers between 26 and 50. By the way, Dunsa, that is, that is spot on some good knowledge. Top notch. I have to confess, I have to confess the reason I know that is because I play football manager quite a lot. Doesn't, and... doesn't matter. Doesn't I matter. mean, yeah. Uh, knowledge is knowledge. Take, take the praise. Um, why don't I do my one to eight and you you, t- you t- give me put them in one one or, or you can deny them? Okay, yeah, I'm, 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 we should yeah, yeah, yeah. we should yeah. be picking these. We're not even doing it properly. I should be picking which one of these gets in. So um, let's let's say that stupid squad numbers definitely gets put in room one one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. Go on then, Mark. Go on. Okay, next one. Mainly in Scottish football, but in, 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 there's certainly a, an element in, in down south, as, as Phil's well aware, on TV and radio. Lazy punditry, and just as importantly, the facilitation of lazy punditry. Yes, although you're a hostage to fortune with that one. Um, oh, in, case you get, in case you get found out being a lazy pundit yourself, you or I. So, risky <laughs> one, but I'll say yes. <laughs> Laurie? Yes, I mean, there's 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 limits to it. I mean, it depends what we're talking. Um, well, there are, okay. Let, let me let me um, let me narrow it down. There are certain people at the BBC who I think are very good. There are others 
I am um, <laughs> I'm surprised they're still there. Yeah, I mean, names. I think name th- names. No. When they're like, for instance, when obviously when I do, I'm covering Hearts, so I'll do all my research on the Hearts team. I'll talk about the team as, as much info as I can, and I'll do research on the opposing team. I won't necessarily know as much about the recent tactics they've played. I'll try and get a bit of that. But my focus is obviously Hearts TV. It, it does annoy me when you'll have sports out and they'll go to someone who is being paid to be there to talk about whoever it might be, Hearts, Hibs, Rangers Celtic, Dunfermline, Montrose, and they go, oh, I don't know if they've played that before. I, I don't know if yes. I don't know how he's been That's playing. I'm like, mate, you've been paid to go on there. You know they're going to talk about this team. At least ask someone. That's what I'll tend to do. Like when we played Inverness yesterday, I was asking around saying, How's he been doing? And and Jimmy actually went down and spoke to Robbo for about fifteen minutes, and that's how Jimmy actually said he's going to go with four three three. Is what he's calling it. Bit that's of what you want. Premier. That's what you want. We do a bit, and, but I mean, it's, yeah, and that and I'm talking, you know, club TV, which often they don't do any other. No, other... I, I know that. I know that being an ex-pro should not preclude you from this category. Definitely. Just because you played the game, you still have to know um, what what we're talking about. I mean. I can't play the game, and, and I'm aware of that. That's why I have the expert alongside me, so I try and get the best out of them. But play, having been a former player does not preclude you from no. not being able to find it. It's not difficult. Just do a little bit of research. So does that get in? I need yeah, both, let's put that both in. of you yeah. to agree. Yes, yeah, go for no, it. That can, that can go okay. in, yeah. yeah absolutely. Okay, here's, here's one for you. Extra time. Just generally? Yeah. Do away with extra time. What, straight to penalties? I've seen, I've seen some very good periods of extra time. Every time, oh, so I course. think I'd have to stand and defend that. Yeah, that's fine. It doesn't get in. I would, I wouldn't put extra time in either. I, I also okay. hated the whole silver and golden goal. I think. Oh yeah, the yeah, silver goal was a business. Give it, yeah. give it, give it half an hour because I guess the problem is, is as well. You'd, you'd get teams that would just try and let a game play out to a draw because they know that penalties could go either way, and at least extra time gives both sides a chance to win it. Because um, I don't like, I don't like penalties that much because I think, I, I think they have to be there, but. It's a bit of a lottery, so no. I just I watched the Rio Ave Milan game, um, which was just not. I'm speaking to a boy from Musselburgh and a boy from Pennycook, Milan. All right, I get it. Um, and it was crazy. I had the goalkeepers both missing and whatever, and it was it was dramatic. But the, the extra time was was wacky in that as well. So that doesn't get in. That's me two and one. Uh, if this doesn't get in, I'm coming to both your houses and, and I want a pagger. <laughs> Expected goals. Get that to fuck. No, I'm with you. I quite like expected goals. Oh. <laughs> what is expected goals? I mean, what a load of shite. Depends on your point of view. Clubs love it, you know. I know like, I know, um, analysts and everything do. We've got a guy, Michael Cox, um, at, at The Athletic, who is, is very into He's very good. Great, great analytical stuff. Yes. Um, but clubs love it because they think it's a great guide of how well you play. We think do. you have expected goals in the 70s, 80s, 90s and 2000s. So how come we've got them now? Oh, you're getting old, Mark. Dearie me. I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I never expected to come on and you to say they never had this in the 70s. Look, me and Laurie, both, Laurie and I both agree on this. So yeah. why are you I'm, not allowing I'm this gonna, I'm going to rescue this, I'm afraid. Yeah, no. I'm with you, but I'm with you. I like lots of the analytical side of it. I like lots of the stats, and I just think expected goals. I mean, yeah, based on what? And then you've got there's too much there's too much interpretation on things in that. What's Craig Whiten's expected goals? Sorry, it's it's not it's not going to be unanimous though, Mark. So just we'll we'll have to take it. We'll have to take it. These are the rules. 
stay on stay on the goals scene. A couple more. Away goals. Get them out of here. No need. That was introduced in the 60s. We don't need away goals anymore. Yeah, no, I would get rid of away goals. Right done, sir. Come on, be good. Oh, he's thinking. I don't Come know. On. What, what, I don't what, know. Um... It's unfair. You get an extra half hour if you are the away team to score an away goal. If it's a two-legged affair and it's tied. That's not fair. It is. Liverpool Atletico is a great example of that. Great example. It's got to go. Come on, Laurie. Come on, Dunsar. Was it not? But, but was the idea not to encourage teams away from home to actually try and attack and not just but it depends be defensive? On the draw. I mean, do you want to play at home first or do you want to play away first? Come on, get that in there. Fine, I'll, I'll go with it. I'm not convinced, but I'll just bow to pressure. Okay, this one I'm not sure I'll get in. I'm going to try it anyway. Music after goals. The best noise after goals is fans... Now, you can oh, get rid against... of goal music. Oh, come on. There can't be anybody anywhere who, who backs goal music. Oh, right. Two, two from two. Can we get three from three? Yes. The way we do it in the UK especially. I think there's a place when... I've seen it work very well in the likes of Germany. Um, you know, the Seven Nation Army uh, used by Munich and a few of them. Not playing it immediately, but just shortly after and the crowd go along with it. But but just playing a song for the sake of it. Um, no, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll let you have that one as well. Good, four and two, two to go. Marriage proposals at games. Yes, yes. yes it's not baseball. Yeah, fuck off. Get that. Yes. Yeah. Finally, just, I just, I had to leave this to last. I was going to do it first, but I thought let's end with this. Scottish football governance: a meritocracy instead of a joy, jobs for the boys setup is required. Hundred percent. If you mean Neil Doncaster's going in one oh one. Yeah, boom. It was actually, yeah, it was more for the SFA setup. Well, them as well, that, yeah. That was that's the the kind of Blazerati. Um, um, Phil's Phil's with me here, right? Dunstar. Oh yeah, no. Let's take the AK forty seven approach to this. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I mean that's obvious. Yeah, definitely. Six two. I'll take that. I'm, I'm happy with that. I didn't expect to get six out of my eight. Well, there you go. I've got four for you if you fancy four. Yeah, go, go right. for it. Okay. Okay. Number one, any club that gives the fans a squad number or <laughs> includes the fans amongst the substitutes on the team sheet. And yes, oh. I am. I am looking at Reading. Uh, I'm looking at Celtic. Honestly, see the amount of times I've been <laughs> I've been at Celtic and I glance down to do the subs, and obviously I'll look at the starting lineup and I'll do my formation when I'm covering a game. But to be honest, I'll just read the subs off the team sheet. And the amount of times I've almost read out, and it's uh, number 87, Kieran Mc... Uh, <coughs> no, sorry, uh, forget what I've just said. They had to list them on the team sheet as well. Yeah, nonsense. Um, not into that. Retire a number for a player, you know, if, it, if someone's passed away. Or a, if legend, it's someone who's a, a legend. A legend, a yeah. Player, a legend. Well, Hearts have retired number 99 <clears throat> for Donny's Abdi. I think, think Abdi retired that himself. <laughs> Um, no, definitely. I, I, I'm, I'm putting that in with... Oh, yeah, that's, that's good. That's, that's one out of one. one Excellent. One. Um, second, highways agency for deciding that a night when you have <laughs> 6,000 Leeds fans in Newcastle is the time to shut the M1 at Washington and to divert you through the uh, the Northumbrian countryside. And let's be honest, it's not only the M1, it's pretty much the A1 every Saturday plus the M62 in about four different locations. <laughs> highways agency, yes or no? I think we just put it generally <clears throat> travel and um, governments and agencies and how they do it because the amount of times that 
Um, you know, a, for instance, Aberdeen or Inverness will get given a Sunday midday game in Glasgow, and, <laughs> and there's no, there's train no trains, or or there's a semi-final going on in Glasgow, and Hearts or Hibs are playing there, and they put on a two-carriage ScotRail train is the only option you can get. So I would just say, yeah, just travel in general in the bodies that organise it, not really treating football fans with any sort of respect. They do that over here as well, um, 11 o'clock onwards. So, in, I'm, I'm yeah. totally with you, two, yes. two for two. Number three, tweets which say, in Calvin Phillips' pocket tonight, car keys, mobile phone, <laughs> wallet, and we Kevin De Bruyne. No, that doesn't get in, because we're guilty of that, and then we become total hypocrites. Is they, they're 10 years out of date, though, Mark. Come on. They've got no life left in them. Yeah, it's not going to get in for Mark, but I would have put it in. Yeah, yeah. it's not funny. Uh, Good lad, Laurie. Good lad. 2.5 out of 3. Excellent. Oh, two, two, two from 3. Uh, Okay, we've got one more. Let's see if you can, you can bad 500 okay. or 700. Right, okay, okay, here we go. Third kits. Fuck off. Wait, isn't Leeds third kit maroon? It is, so do you know what? <laughs> I, I would make a, a sort of noble exception for them on the basis that you can never have what? too many maroon kits. Oh, um, you... But I was hoping you weren't going to bring that up because uh, <laughs> I was, just, I was suspecting I was offered a winner there. <laughs> yourself in the foot with an AK-47 there. No danger. Third kits. We've had some really good third kits. I really like that black with a maroon um, third kit. Better oh, than your way. Si- it's yeah, just the basically si- the though. sizing wasn't the same though as I yeah, found when uh, when my areola on my right side protruded along with my nipple when I double XL clearly was a large at best. It's an excuse to, to charge adults and kids 50 quid for what buy is basically it. casual wear that should be don't sold for about a tenner. Don't have to buy it. Nah, I'm not having that one. I'm just, no, uh, that's a shocker. You should have started with that and ended on a high. Gone on, gone on a high with uh, with fans on team sheets, yeah. Two, oh. two out of four, not bad, 50%. 50%, not too bad. Right, you, you, two have, you two have taken up so much of this time that I'm not going to be able to get through all these wonderful contributions yeah, no, no, no. that we got. On, Laurie, but, but, I tell you what, let's just let's do it quick fire then in that okay. case. Just do it there. Well, well, let's, well, let's mix up first of all because I'm going to play a song because Craig Morris... Um, Craig Morris... Craig Morris message well. saying, this absolute catastrophe. Look him up, he's done shite songs for loads of clubs. Get it in the bin. Um... And I'll play the song now. This is There Will Always Be Heart of Midlothian by Neil Grant. So um, that's that's a, a belter of a song. Now I have to say, when I was listening, 
I'd heard this before, and it was actually played at Tynecastle, although thankfully, because I was in commentary and had my headset on, I couldn't hear it clearly. Now, listening to it again, do you know what popped into my head? Do you remember Chewing the Fat? And um, yes. the big man. Do you, do, you, do you remember his voice? I'll, I'll play that quickly now as well. Look, I'm a mother, I'll vouch for her, she is 18. No identification, no entry. Is there a problem here? Big man. Big man, this wee idiot will not let my lassie in to see an 18 film. I thought a smell of pish was coming for this direction. What age are you supposed to be? So, so the big man, was it the big man singing it or was it Neil Grant? I'm sure Neil's but, a lovely guy, but... I'd rather hear Donaldson on his cello. No. Well, that's, uh, well, that's all about if your mum was a good teacher or not. Um, you, it, you can't, you can't, I mean, here's me being a hypocrite again. I, say, I was going to say you can't have a good song if you've recorded it for more than one club. But the greatest song of them all was on one side um, and the other side was the Hibs song, sung by Hector Nichols. So, but you say Neil's recorded a few for other clubs. Has he? Apparently, yeah, I didn't listen to them because I didn't like that oh, one. Oh, that one so. was enough. No, one, one, that, that, that's in. <laughs> so that's in the bin. Sorry. In the bin. I thought yeah. Oh, no, it's gone, yeah. That, I thought when you initially sent that to me, that someone was putting in the 20 tracks on the Hearts Greatest Hits, the Jam Tarts were 19 and No, they're just, they just put the last two in the bin. <laughs> Hello, in 1874. That was before my balls dropped. <laughs> That's so that's in the bin. Right, I tell you what we're going to do. Um, we have got a few more, and I think quick we're, fire. Quick th- fire. No, no, not quick fire because we've we've ran over a little bit. What we'll do? I'll keep no, these. We'll have, I'll keep on, I'll on. keep these for next time because we'll. No, Phil's not here next. Week. Come on, don't be a. Come on, we just go quickly. We'll just say we'll quick, just say go. yes or no to them. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll see what else we've got. Fine. Fine. A um, willing guest here. Come on. Jambo Hendo, chairman of clubs that keep quoting sporting integrity when they don't know the meaning of the words. Yes. Yeah. Phil Fielding, um, assistant refs two feet away from an incident, yet look to the ref twenty yards away to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Um, this one came up from a couple of people. London Hearts players stealing ten or twenty yards at throw-ins. Nah, it's fine if it's your player. Uh, yep. <laughs> Doesn't get in. And, okay. and, and Phil throws it, don't get penalised. That's a bugbear. Anyway, next. Uh, <laughs> Alan Miko gave us a couple but I'll just pull one of them out because it, it annoys me players giving 110% oh, mm. number one. cringe yeah no absolutely get it in with oh. the fans on team sheets 100% <laughs> first one in oh Go thank on. you Alan Brilliant. Uh, getting a yellow card for over celebration says Andrew Ward but Connor uh, says one of his is the alcohol ban in Scottish Stadia. Yeah, I'd get that in room 101. Yeah, I find that weird. But um, maybe there's a reason for it. Remember for, for, for hell. Where it used to host Glasgow Rugby on Friday night, and you could have a beer there, but on a Saturday, if Partick were at home, then you, you weren't. And that, but that's going back to 1980. Again, that's a that's a political thing. Right, John Chalmers, commentators saying that could have went anywhere. It did go anywhere, you teapot. <laughs> <laughs> what he says. Well, 
Oh yeah, good. Well, no, but that's quite funny. Let's keep that keep that out just for the just for the banter. Alistair Steele says Faisal Reras. <laughs> he would miss. They'd try to throw himself in, and he'd miss. He's a cocky little so and so, isn't he? he? Thinks he's the be him and Avdi. Are they the same person? Just as forgettable. Yeah, in the bin. Um, Twiggy Rascal says drums. Get them in the bin. Yeah, no, I'm not a fan of drums in the crowd. Yeah, there's one at Middlesbrough. They always get ripped to shreds when Leeds go there. And then they complain because they can't get their drum in. Yeah, banned from taking their drum. Okay, yeah, last... it's like, the, it's like the, the the England band turn up to places and then take the hump when they're not allowed to take a trombone in, and you're like, well, you know. Mark turns up with his cello. <laughs> me. Yeah, and Phil Phil's mum's there conducting the orchestra. By the way, college football and college sports over here have got the full bands for everything. <laughs> That's America, though, isn't it? Last one, Stefan Adams' right boot, that's the Twitter handle, says, Hearts FC. We're Heart of Midlothian Football Club, not Hearts FC. Yes, and do you know why that should go in? Because it's joined in Room 101 by Tynecastle Stadium. Mm -hmm. No, we don't have a Tynecastle Stadium. We never have had a Tynecastle Stadium. We have always had a Tynecastle Park. Now, you can argue that those, those two have to go in. You could argue... The new design of the badge, I say new, it's been around for, for a couple of decades now, but that was another thing, the, the modernity of, of that. Can we go back to the original badge? But those two, definitely. It's Heart of Midlothian Football Club, and it plays at Tynecastle Park. Yeah, there's no issue with Hearts, but Hearts FC, no, in the way that Knox Forest is never, ever right and never will be right and never never has been. And I'm absolutely on board with Tynecastle Park as well. Yep, in the bin. We had a quick fire of that, so we can we can quickly move on to the end because we're running a little bit over, and we, you know we like to have some semblance of of organisation, as I said at the start. Um, so I'm I'm not going to preview this weekend's game an awful lot. Um, we play Cowdenbeath, who lost two 0 at Bayview in the opener to their Betfred Cup campaign in Group A. Um, that was uh, away to East Fife on Tuesday. Um, they will be playing Hearts at home at the same stadium because Central Park has had some issues with the damage caused by some flooding. Um, We've played them in this cup the last two seasons. 2-0 last campaign at Central Park. Goals from Halkett and McDonald and 5-0 at Tynecastle the season prior. So all I can really say about this game is I'm hoping that Craig Whiting can get a goal or two. Please. Just, he might be a totally different player with a goal in him. He might just be a confidence player because he's getting frustrated if he doesn't score. Yeah, please, come on. Let's, let, we've got one out of one. Let's make it four out of four. Ray, Cowdenbeath, he's fucked. Come on, let's do this. Let's, let's get White in a goal and, and let's go. Yeah, just just get going. Get going. I'm pleased you didn't ask us to dissect Cowdenbeath because, quite honestly, I couldn't tell you the first thing about them. But, um, um, but yeah, goal for White would, would be good, although I'd like to see Robbie play a different team, to be honest. He said he would, didn't he? He said he would. So, uh, yeah, Cowdenbeath finished fourth last season when the campaign ended in League Two. Gary Bolin is in charge, and hopefully they're in for a doing this weekend in Fife. Um not too much else to add this week. Well, thank you for joining, Phil. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Um, thank you very much. Uh, what are your your plans for the coming season? I was going to say, you're not really going to get a chance to come and see Hearts, but I guess, are, are, you, are you getting to attend Ellen Road and away matches at the moment? 
Yeah, we're into most of the games. The away games are difficult because there are limits on the number of press seats you can get um, in the Premier League at the moment. But uh, So I missed Anfield, which was a bit of a blow, but I made it to Bramall Lane for Sheffield United and I'll be at, at all the home games. So we're lucky, really, because we're you know, a bit like you. We're still able to, to sneak in and, and kind of be there. But it's never going to feel particularly normal with empty stands, especially somewhere like Ellen Road, where it's like thirty-five to 40,000 capacity. Yeah. Well, hopefully Leeds have a good campaign. They've certainly been entertaining to watch when I've I've seen them on the TV so far. Um, and now we've just got to decide whether this one's going to be called Donaldson's Cello or Lancashire Lasagna, was it? <laughs> anyway, get the cello in there. Get the cello in there. Well, well, thank you for tuning in this week. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We will be back next time around to talk about... Um, Cowdenbeath against Hearts and before we go maybe we will also be talking about next Tuesday's game Mark what do we reckon for our scheduling scheduling or scheduling listen to you Yank <laughs> um, yeah. who are you calling a Yank <laughs> anything you want next week it's just going to be you and I um, there's, I'll message you privately about someone else I want to get on and you can you can say if you if you want okay. but I'll not be for next week so any any day and by, by the way did did I hear last night, or was it on one of the Hearts podcasts, that one of the away games is being played at Bayview? Is it the Wraith Rovers game because they're doing up Starks Park? You've, you've, are you joking? I literally no. just said that. I literally just said the Hearts are playing at Bayview on Saturday because Central Park has been flooded and had damage. <laughs> I'm guilty of that, haven't I? I probably do that one about one every two months. I listen back and go, oh, that's a good line by Laurie. And then I totally <laughs> missed the line when I'm actually sit here listening to you. But that's what an old married couple does. Oh, They're still right. together after all this time. Okay. So Hearts will play Cowdenbeath and then they'll play Wraith Rovers next Tuesday. Um, I'm not going to go into any more of the preview, but we'll talk about them both next week. I've decided. Where's the Cowdenbeath game? The Cowdenbeath is know? at Bayview, dear. Um, okay. Oh, thanks, son. Three o'clock okay. kickoff. Um, okay. Bring, bring your Hearts jacket. TV? Bring your jacket, it'll be cold. Hearts TV? Yes, uh, listen. You'll be able to listen to Hearts TV. Does that count as part of my season ticket? Um, oh, right. We're going, right? Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>